This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. Eating disorders, self-harm and dissatisfaction with their bodies are common problems for girls, so much so that more than 55% of girls between the ages of 8 and 9 are dissatisfied with their bodies. It's hard to get your head around that, isn't it? And a quarter of 14 to 15-year-olds have thoughts about self-harming. Why are girls having so much trouble liking themselves? Casey Edwards is the co-author of Raising Girls Who Like Themselves, and she's here to explain how we can raise girls who accept themselves. Good morning, Casey. Good morning, Katrina. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're most welcome. Look, some of the statistics around girls are pretty alarming. Why don't girls like themselves? Yeah, look, it is absolutely heartbreaking, and that's what we found in our research. Like, I spoke to four separate parents who told me that their little girls, primary school girls, so this is age six to seven, four of them had the same story that their little girl wanted to cut off the rolls of fat on her stomach with scissors. No way. These girls, their heads should be full of fairy dust and unicorns Mm. and they just have this intolerable hatred of their bodies. One of the reasons that I wrote this book is that I wanted my girls to grow up liking themselves more than I did growing up. But it's much bigger than that because the problems that our girls are facing are happening younger and more extreme as well. Yeah. I can't tell you how often, like, when you have a little girl, everywhere you go, people go, oh, she's so beautiful, oh, she's so pretty. Girls are constantly being commented on with their appearance. I know people mean well, but it does kind of send that message, doesn't it, that you've got to please other people by looking nice. Absolutely. I actually think this is one of the really big things that parents are getting wrong. And it's not parents' fault because we are we are being told the wrong advice. So last year, my husband, so Chris Scanlon, who I wrote the book with, we sat in and listened to one of Australia's leading experts in raising girls tell parents that they needed to tell their girls more that they were beautiful. Now, this focus on girls' beauty, even though it's praising them, is doing two things. First of all, it's making beauty really important in girls' lives. If you tell a girl over and over that she is beautiful, she will naturally assume that it's really important and potentially the most important thing about her. And then the second thing is that nobody is beautiful enough in today's society. Everybody fails at beauty. So you put those two things together And it's no wonder that our girls are struggling because they, in their minds, they are failing at the thing that is most important about them. And I just think that one of the most important things that parents can do straight away is try and reduce the importance of beauty in girls' lives. What that means from the outset is limit the comments that are made to your daughter about about her beauty. I think the hard thing is, though, you know, like when you've got a three-year-old daughter and she puts on a fairy dress and she's twirling, like the first thing you think, oh, you're so beautiful. I mean, they just, they melt your heart. And so maybe we've got to find different language where it's like, oh, it's so magical watching you twirl because they do affect us when we look at them. They are, they are beautiful. Absolutely. They are gorgeous. And also it's passed through generations. You know, those things were said to us and they were said to previous generations. So Comments on girls' appearance is the first thing that pops into our heads. Hmm. But the thing is, little boys are gorgeous too. And that is not the first and only thing that is remarked about on little boys. Like we can treat boys as people, but we still tend to treat little girls as dolls. 
And I think that we need to work really hard at starting to comment and praise girls for things that they do rather than how they look. Mm, Okay. We do want to develop in girls more body confidence. That's an area in which we know girls are struggling. So how can we foster true body confidence? I think the first thing is to actually understand what body confidence is. And I think that at the moment, our understanding is wrong. Like we think that body confidence is wanting to take a selfie in a bikini, or we think that it's fitspiration. But all of that keeps the focus on the body, on the appearance. Real body confidence is not caring that much about how you look, not letting the thoughts of your body and your appearance get in the way of living the life that you want. I mean, of course, in our culture, there's going to be times when our girls are going to wish for different physical characteristics, like that's normal. But our aim is for those wishes to be fleeting and to not define who they are. So, for example, you know, I wish I could sing. I'd love to be able to sing. I can't. It doesn't ruin my day. Hmm. It doesn't define who I am. And that's what we want beauty to be for our girls. Yeah, I wish my legs were longer, but oh, well, I've got other things to do right now. (laughs) Okay. I'm speaking to Casey Edwards. She's the co-author of Raising Girls Who Like Themselves. Um, What do you think we as a society are doing wrong to make girls feel so inadequate? So I think that our focus on beauty is is the first thing that we need to stop. Another thing is that we have given our girls all these opportunities. We give them as gifts out of love, but our girls receive them as expectations because they can do everything. They feel like they have to do it and they have to do it perfectly. And I think it is a real gift for our girls to understand that they don't have to be exceptional all the time. So do you mean the way that today every kid is like learning an instrument and playing three sports and doing gymnastics and ballet? Is that kind of... Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely part of it. I mean, you, you look at Facebook and you think Mark Zuckerberg has, you know, redefined the laws of mathematics. There are so many overachieving children. Like, yeah. how is that possible? Because parents do this out of love, right? Because they don't want their kids to miss out and, and we get caught up in this arms race. But what's happening is that almost every minute of a child's life is adult-led, structured and measured. So even from kinder, you know, I, I would pick up my daughter from kinder and the teacher would give me the learning outcome from her playing in the sandpit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every single thing in our kids' lives now has a benchmark. Could you imagine as an adult that if everything you did was measured and appraised and structured? Mm. And I just think that as parents, we need to find the courage to push back against this this pressure of overachieving children and overscheduling our kids. Because what our kids really need is play and they need downtime. And the crazy thing is, is that's what develops their brain. Like play is how they learn. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing is, uh, you know, even when you've allowed your kids to have a lot of time for free play and you've encouraged them to pursue the things that they really enjoy, uh, when girls hit the teen years, they do often become a bit more anxious about failing or looking stupid in front of their Mm -hmm. peers. And so they're not as ready to try new things. How can we encourage a mindset where, you know, failure is okay and it's just about giving things a go? Yeah, so I think the sooner you lay the foundation that failure is a part of achieving, the better. 
And one of the ways that we do it in our family is that we talk about, as, as parents, we talk about our own failures. Yeah. We talk about how we tried something, it didn't work, so we tried something again. And we're constantly modelling that it's okay not to get it right the first time. When we praise our girls, we don't praise an outcome. We praise the process that, that they went through in, in trying to achieve that. So, for example, if, if my daughter got a B on a maths test, we don't say congratulations on the B. We say, that's so great that you really tried hard and you practised. Because the B creates anxiety in a kid because what happens if they don't get it next time? Mm. Yeah. Whereas if it's the process of trying, then a kid can replicate that. That gives them power. What, what I'm hearing here is, is that we don't want to strive for perfectionism. But at the same time, we do want our kids to experience some sense of mastery, of finding their strengths, of you know who they are as a person. So how can we help our daughters find and nurture their strengths without yeah. that being laden with the pressure to be perfect? We need to understand that every child is born with strengths. You know, they are all born with this spark that develops in them. And as parents, we often become so focused on trying to correct their weaknesses and fix things about them that we don't help them identify and nurture their strengths. Now, by strength, I don't necessarily mean something that they're good at. It's something that they naturally want to do, that they gravitate to and fills them with joy. So that might not be the three-year-old who can play a concerto on the piano joylessly. It's, it's gravitating to something that they love. And we need to help our kids find that. And, ex- and it takes time to find your spark and what you're really good at. And the process of that is getting things wrong. You try things that doesn't work out. You try something else, which is another reason why play is so important. Because if it's measured and adult-led, it stops kids from trying things that they're not necessarily good at. Whereas when they're doing it in play, they can just do it for the enjoyment of it without anyone telling them whether it's good or bad or it's an A, B or C. Exactly. So adults, we know in adults that having that special thing that makes your heart sing, that thing you love, gives us meaning and well-being. And, you know, some adults spend their whole lives not knowing what that thing is. Whereas we as parents, we can help our kids find that. And that is a gift that they will take with them for their whole lives. Mm. Before we we finish up, Casey, I know that often when we have these parenting discussions, it's often, you know, women who are particularly engaged in some of these subjects. And in your book, I like how you had a little summary cheat sheet for dads, knowing that dads often don't sit down and read the parenting book or they might listen to the podcast for 30 Mm -hmm. 30 minutes, but they're, they're less likely to kind of read the whole book. I just wanted to ask you, you know, what roles can dads play in helping their girls to develop a healthy self-esteem? Oh, dads are just so important. And the research on this is really clear that an engaged dad can help his daughter academically, help her self-esteem, she'll make better relationship choices, she'll have better body image. And one thing that we say in our book that is so simple for dads to do is take one day off a year, just one day, take the day off and go on your daughter's excursion or go and be a classroom helper. And what that does from just one little day of annual leave is tell your daughter that She's really important to you, but you also get to go and meet her teacher. You get to meet her friends. So then when she comes home and talks about her friends and and any problems that she's having, dad will understand what's going on and know their names. 
And so that's a really big bang for buck strategy for dads. Mm, yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much, Casey. It's been great talking with you um, and congratulations on the book. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, that's Casey Edwards. She's the co-author with Dr. Christopher Scanlon of the new book, Raising Girls Who Like Themselves. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.